Hello, good people. Welcome to the second edition of the Africa Football Showdown. Now, the Africa Cup of Champions is well underway. Seven games in and all the excitement will be brought to you right here on your new Africa Football Showdown. My name, of course, is Peter Okwache. I'm joined by Mimi. Mimi, hi. Hi, Peter. How are you? Hello, everyone. Hi, thank you very much. Enjoying the football? I am loving every minute of the Africa Cup of Nations. Already big surprises. Tell me more about it. And we'll come <laughs> to the surprises very soon. And we're also joined by Daniel. Daniel, what a shirt. Thank you. Thank you. I mean, I figured that I might as well wear it. Uh, that's the Ghana jersey. We are not doing so well this tournament. So, yeah, maybe this will channel the luck that we need. Because our first 90 minutes or so, as you know, were terrible. Okay, we'll come to that in a bit. But like I said, we've got all the excitement, all the drama. Let's go. We'll start off with the results uh, from the first seven games so far. And Daniel, if you could just give them to us in your best football commentator voice. I don't know if I have a football commentator voice, Peter, but I'll do my very best. Uh, so it started off with a bang with Ivory Coast winning 2-0 against Guinea-Bissau. Unfortunately, your pick, Peter, there have not really come to the party. Nigeria drew against Equatorial Guinea. Egypt also drew against Mozambique 2 all. That was quite the surprise. And my heartbreak, Ghana losing to Cape Verde 2-1. And Senegal then thundering past the Gambia with three resounding goals. Cameroon drawing against Guinea 1-0. And it's currently 1-0 between Algeria and Angola. It's about 75 minutes played so far. As we're recording this, stay till the end of the podcast to find the rest of the results. Absolutely. I thought you said you didn't have a football commentator's voice. That was absolutely brilliant. Yes. Thank you very much. So just, let's just look at some of those results. I mean, Daniel, I, I know you're wearing that shirt and I know you're wearing it with pride. But what a disappointing result for for the black stars i don't feel like we have enough time on this podcast for me to say exactly what is wrong with the black stars but i can safely summarize it in two words chris hutton the head coach <laughs> of the black stars his style of football does not fit the squad that he has i have nothing against a defensive game in this game between guinea and cameroon guinea wisely decided to play defensive especially when they went a man down they pulled back a point even though they were um ahead at the beginning but wisely they decided to soak in the pressure and then play on the break ghana's strength is in the midfield and the front if you don't have the back four or the back three that can hold the pressure as much as you want you do not play that style of football i feel like chris hutton is more suited for a club where he can assemble the players that fit exactly his style but if you're a national team coach and you have what you have, you need to adapt to the players that you have. Because I can't understand why we have an Inaki Williams, we have good players in the middle, like we have Ashimeru. It, it was quite the, um, the surprising lineup to begin with. And everyone was sort of excited to see what this combination of players would produce. But it just wasn't given it. Look. As at the time that Kiveri put in that first goal, our possession was around 20% of the ball. You don't do that when you're playing against a team that on paper you should be outclassing in every department. 
Well, that's funny you're talking about on paper. That's funny because football matches are not won on paper. So I would say rip off all the papers. Everybody's talking about on paper. It's won on the pitch. But just quickly to mention, it's funny because right after that game, the Ghana game, Nigerians then started trolling Ghanaians on Twitter because Ghanaians trolled Nigeria earlier in the day for drawing against Equatorial Guinea. And when it came to Ghana... They lost in their match, but it, it, it was an interesting. It was an interesting match in the sense that I think anybody that's followed Chris Hutton in the Premier League in Brighton in Newcastle will know he plays very defensively. Mm-hmm. Um, and I guess where with their attacking flair that Ghana has, maybe they've not quite reached their potential under him. And we saw in the game yesterday against Cape Verde, there was a let's be honest, um, Daniel, there was a. A defensive, a lapse in the defense that led to that goal. And then many people were criticizing Chris Hutton for taking off Ashimeru, who had that goal. De Salah Semenyo coming off Painsel as well with the pace that they had and breaking up play. But yet they were subbed out and didn't really have the right subs that came on to really make a difference in the match. Mm. I think the question now, it's a question I've been asking myself, I mean, since that match. When do we stop referring to the Black Stars as a top African nation? I mean, they haven't won this competition in 40-odd years. The last time the Black Stars won the AFCON, I was not even an idea. My parents had (laughs) not thought. Okay, here's the point. The best Black Stars that we've seen have had some very strong men at the back. And we've had a very solid midfield and a certain Asamoah in front to pull something out of a hat at the very last minute. I saw on Twitter today, somebody apologizing to Michael Essien, Stephen Appiah, etc. And Michael Essien accepted the apology. Look, that midfield four, in my view, Michael Essien, Stephen Appiah... There was Lai Kinson ahead of the mm-hmm. ahead of the 2006 World Cup as well, and there was Suleiman Tari as well. Look, that midfield four is probably the best that we've assembled in about 20 years. Mm-hmm. Currently, we do have a team that is more forward facing. You can't say that Inaki Williams and um, and um, Mohamed Kudus, who had a bit of a hamstring injury, so could not be in the squad against Cape Verde, are not up to par. You can't say they are not up to par, but currently. If we are leaning forward as a team, we should play a, in a way that brings out the best in these boys. Okay, listen, I don't want to spend this whole um, time <laughs> talking about Ghana, like but I, I said, we could do it all, all, all episodes. Episodes. Let's Let's listen to um, the man of the match, uh, Ghana defender Alexander Jiku. And Daniel, if you listen carefully during his uh, post-match press conference, you might no, sir, hear the Cape Verdans celebrating behind him. En ce moment, on a un petit peu mal, mais c'est normal parce qu'on a un groupe jeune. Voilà, on a un groupe euh, qui a beaucoup changé par rapport aux, aux années précédentes. Maintenant, je pense qu'il faut continuer euh, sur cette voie. Petit à petit, on va progresser. Il va falloir continuer à travailler pour pouvoir euh, gagner les prochains matchs. Okay, so that's um, enough piling on of the misery for for Ghana. Let's talk about some of the other results. Egypt drawing with Mozambique, Nigeria drawing with with Equatorial Guinea. I mean, we didn't expect those at all. Well, I mean, let's start with the Nigeria with the Nigeria game. I find it quite interesting that I think people might have forgotten um, Equatorial Guinea's record coming into the match. Now, Equatorial Guinea had really good, I'd say, pretty good World Cup qualifiers for the next World Cup held in 2026 that happened in November. They didn't lose their games. Nigeria, on the other hand, drew results. And let's not forget at the last 
Africa Cup of Nations. It was Equatorial Guinea who knocked out the defending champions, Algeria, in the group stages. So this is a team that has been over the years getting better and better and growing. There are no minnows anymore in football. So I think people underestimated Equatorial Guinea coming into the match. For Nigeria, we have to give it to them. They created a lot of chances for sure, I mean, which I, I guess... I have to mention Osimen's miss. Yeah. He missed well, three that, chances. He, the, so the that's, second that, one was, yeah. so that's what was criminal. To. The positive <laughs> is, the positives that we can take from that match is they created chances. The negative is they weren't able to capitalize on those chances. So... Yes, Osman had some misses. So those are things they're going to have to work on for the next match for sure. But as we know in the competition, it's not how you start, it's how you finish in the competition. Let's not forget Nigeria did well in the last Africa Cup of Nations. They were one of the key stories doing so well in the group stages and they went out in the last 16. Mm. Egypt, on the other hand, lost that opening game to Nigeria they went through to the final. So they've drawn their match against Mozambique, but I wouldn't write them off just yet. They've been very good coming into the competition, pretty much winning all their matches. So mm-hmm. I, I'm still going to give a, a little bit of hope for them to see how they develop as mm-hmm. the competition goes. I'm not, I'm not going to necessarily judge them on that first, first match, but kudos to Mozambique for really being very well organized and Absolutely. giving Egypt a run for their money. They, they did indeed, you know. I mean, that, that wasn't luck by any means. Mm. But Daniel, if we're going to be honest, the best team we've seen so far in the competition, you know, probably unsurprisingly are defending champions. I mean, they were imperious against the Gambia, winning 3-0. I think the most Im- impressive part of that Senegal win is the person who got the brace. Um, this is a 20-year-old youngster. Lamine Kamara. <laughs> Lamine Kamara, you expect um, you expect to see those bangers from Sadio Mane, right? But it's it sort of sends shivers down the spine of every other competing player when you see that it's the next generation of players that is stepping up for Senegal. I must say, I was not impressed with the Gambia's defense. In almost every one of these three goals, there was a crowd of players around the striker a crowd of red shirts around the striker that were caught ball watching. Um, mm. in in the in the first goal, you know, they 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 uh, they oh the coaches always say, pardon me, the coaches always say that it's not just about the player who has the ball, but it's about the player who does not have the ball. The Gambian defenders were drawn towards um possession. And then Lamine was left basically unmarked. Yes, you could count him out because he's a youngster. But if he's standing in the middle of your, of your penalty box with no one to mark, to mark him, that's a big problem. And it happened that, again that, in the that, second goal. Second goal of his, the, the volley from outside mm. the 18. What a masterpiece of a goal. I, I really enjoyed that. Mimi, I mean, we haven't mentioned Cameroon yet. They also drew with Guinea. A disappointing uh, result, some would say, for the Indomitable Lions. Can I just quickly just come in to mention Senegal before I go on to, to, mm-hmm. go to Cameroon? I feel Senegal are one of the most balanced teams in this tournament, for sure, in all departments, which is, if we remember, we've spoken about Nigeria being very imbalanced. It's completely the opposite for Senegal. You've touched upon Lamine Kamara. He only turned 20 on the 1st of January, just before the competition kicked off. He was just named in December in Morocco, the CAF Awards, the Young Player of the Year. This is a young player that's won the under-20 
with Senegal. Now, Pasteur has won the under 20. He's won the African Nations Championship for, you know, locally based players. He's won player of the tournament in, in, in those, in those competitions. So he really is one of the bright stars in Senegal. He's a player that I flagged up before the tournament about how well he was doing in their matches, even before coming into the competition. Looking at Cameroon and Guinea. Now, Guinea, I feel, I know that Daniel spoke about how they were very good defensively. They definitely were very good defensively, especially going down to 10 men and still being able to finish one all against Cameroon. But if you look in the first half at the beginning of the game, they had a lot of pace, um, Guinea, and Cameroon struggled to deal with that pace. And as well, in the match Guinea had, they played Nigeria in a friendly before coming to competition. There was a lot of pace in that game as well that Nigeria was not able um, to adapt to. And they beat Nigeria 2-0 in the friendly coming to competition. So I think Guinea did very well. And they were, as Daniel spoke as well, they're very good, you know, in defense, but as well offensively on the counter, they were really good. Cameroon, no. Did did come back with a, um with a, an equalizer to level it up. They did play a lot um in the wide side and on the flanks rather than going maybe more in the middle, creating a bit more chances. Um, so I guess for them, many of the fans are not happy with with that result, and I can un- I can understand that. And they were missing Vincent Abubakar. Let's not forget he's very lethal in front mm. of goal, and he was mm. a very big miss. For Cameroon, because at the moment he's nursing an injury, but he might, I think from what we've heard from reports, he should be fine to play at some, at some point in the competition. And he was the top scorer at the last AFCON with eight goals. So they definitely were missing his influence and his presence in that match. Indeed. Uh, and we will uh, be looking ahead to the upcoming matches very soon. We will talk about the permutations, who can go through and who could not. I mean, it's still early days just yet, but we just want to have a look at that. But a quick reminder that you can subscribe to the Africa Football Showdown podcast. Just go to wherever you get your podcasts from and type in our title, Africa Football Showdown, to pick it up. And you can also see us on YouTube, just type in the Africa Football Showdown. Now, we have been blessed in this competition with plenty of goals so far in the tournament. At least two per every game, if I'm not mistaken. So that is quite something. I know in our first episode of this program, we were talking about who we thought was going to win the tournament at the end. I think I picked Morocco. That's what our producer, Pierce, has reminded me. Mimi, you had about how many picks did you have? And I'm sticking to my picks and I'm still going to stick to my picks until after the group stages. <laughs> we have to see all of them first place. So I'm sticking to Senegal, to Egypt and to mm-hmm. Morocco. I'm going to okay. stick to those three, especially as we haven't seen Morocco play yet. Hmm. And Daniel, who, who, who did you pick again? My number one was Egypt. I was going to say Egypt, Morocco, Senegal, Nigeria. I still think Egypt has it in them. Um, I've been reminded that when Argentina started Qatar 2022, they lost their first game against Saudi Arabia. And Egypt this time drew against Mozambique. I will not count them out of this tournament just yet. I feel like even though Senegal has been almost blistering in their first game, the the competition they faced might not have been as stiff as other teams did. So I would not um, be so quick to put them ahead of Egypt. I don't know why you guys cannot just be like me and pick one team. 
you know, I've gone with Morocco and I've gone with Stick. Because this competition anyway. <laughs> has had so many big teams taking part Absolutely. and big name stars. So that's what makes it really hard this time around. No, no, I, I totally agree with you. But now I want you to pick one big name star. Who do you think is going to win the Golden Boot? We already know that Lamine Kamara, so far, mm. two goals, leading goal scorer in the competition. But who's your money on, Daniel? The usual suspects are lining up. I'm going to say Salah. He has a goal and an assist in that Mozambique game. Yeah, so that's where my money is. Of course, we saw um, Ozimhen also score against Equatorial Guinea, bringing them that equalizer. But yes, um, consistency over games, adding goals and assists, I'll say Salah. Mimi? I think I'm going to go, you know me, I, I like options and choices. So I'm going to go for Lamine Kamara and Nigeria. I've got to pick my country as well. I'm going to pick Victor Osimhen. I really have faith in him that he'll be able to score more, more goals. He's the current African um, footballer of the year. Mm. I, I'm going with Victor Osimhen as well, simply because in that match alone, he could have scored four goals. You know, I know he scored only one. He could have scored four goals. Plus, that's the thing. Highest goal scorer in qualifying for the competition. I mean, surely there's something about him. Plus, you know, I always say Victor Simen, the man is a baller. He's a real (laughs) baller. But what form is he bringing into the tournament, though? Napoli's not the same that it was last season as well. You have Mm. to think about as well him getting uh, the service for his goals and counting in there as well his injuries. But he did have that wonder assist for the season. So he still has it in him. You know, I still dream about that assist Mimi's talking about where he, <laughs> he juggled the ball around between four or five defenders. Brilliant, brilliant, brilliant. You know, I mean, it, it gives me chills. Okay, guys, let's move on now and look ahead to the next games that are coming up. Um, and Daniel, once again, could you just, in that fantastic football commentator's voice of yours, Give us the upcoming fixtures. <laughs> I don't know what football voice you're talking about. Anyway, guys, sorry, I lost my lights. So I'm going to have to lean in a bit on this one. Um, upcoming games, exciting matchups coming up. Um, Burkina Faso is facing Mauritania. and We want to see what Burkina Faso can do in this game. Tunisia will play against Namibia. Mali, South Africa. I know Mali was one of Mimi's picks um, in this tournament. We want to see if they can hold their own against South Africa. Or South Africa can pull a surprise. Morocco is a tournament favorite all round. They are facing Tanzania. Another surprise, I don't know. And DR Congo would face Zambia, which you can't count out nowadays after they picked up that AFCON off of Cote d'Ivoire of all countries. Indeed. Uh, I mean, and they surprised everybody with, with, with that win. But Mimi, do they still have the copper bullets, the Chipolo Polo? of Zambia. Do they still have the capacity to surprise or has their quality waned since that win? Well, I mean, Zambia over the past few years have had a team that they've been building and who have been putting in some not bad results at all, to be honest. They've got Pasandaka, as we know, who plays for Leicester City in England. He's still very much a quality player. Rainford Calaba as well. Um, and we've seen them steadily grow as a group of those players um, since winning the under-20 AFCON. But it's sad that they've had Enoch Mwepu, who was also very key as well in this up-and-coming young side of Zambia, having to retire from football because of a heart condition. So 
They're a team that we never know. We've seen so many surprise results so far in this competition. Um, so don't rule them out is all I would say. Indeed. And another big game there uh, that Dan has also mentioned, Mali versus South Africa. I mean, on paper, that's a, a huge game. Yeah, definitely a big game, and especially when you look at South Africa under Hugo Bruce. Since he's taken over um, South Africa over the past few couple of years, we have really seen them, you know, do really well, have a massive turnaround, a revival of um, Bafana, Bafana. So he's a he's a manager that knows how to win an Africa Cup of Nations. In 2017, he won it with Cameroon in Gabon, when many people were tipping Egypt who were in the final to win. So it's it's been interesting to see how he's been turning the fortunes around steadily for South Africa and Mali as well. Coming into uh, the tournament, they've had some decent results um, in, in the World Cup qualifiers or the next World Cup being held in 2026. And they're one of the sides that I, I, I see as one of my dark horses along with Guinea that could do well in the competition. You know, Indeed, and we Yes, go ahead, Daniel. Pete, I, I just wanted to add a quick word in about Zambia. They've had a very interesting history since they won that world, since they won that Afghan in 2012. It's, I would have you know that that was the last time they won a game in the Afghan. And they exited the group stages in the next two competitions. They did not qualify in the next three competitions. But now they have Avram Grant. That's Chelsea manager who came up also with, um, who also coached Ghana um, quite recently. And he also mm. did so well, got to the semifinals of the AFCON with Ghana. So currently, I want to side with Mimi when I say that that young squad that won the 2017 and the 20 AFCON might... 20, you know, pull... yeah, 2020. Yeah, sorry, the, the 2017 and the 20 AFCON um, yes. might, might pull something out of a hat. In the last six games, they won two and they... They lost two, they drew two. It's a bit it's a bit balanced, but there's a moment for Zambia, it's now. Okay. Now I just want to look ahead to what I'm referring to as Big Thursday because some big games on that day. Equatorial Guinea take on Guinea Bissau. If Equatorial Guinea uh, can pull off a win in that match, then you know, they've got four points in a very, very tough group. Um Ivory Coast versus Nigeria. Uh, it's a game that Nigeria really needs uh, to 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 win or at least get a draw in, and Egypt versus Ghana. Daniel, if the Black Stars lose, they could well be out of the competition. It will be no surprise if Black Stars exited in the group stage. That's what we did the last Afghan. Um, unfortunately, so I'll be eating all my food in the morning before that game begins. So that's will I you still no... be wearing this your jersey as well, um, Daniel? <laughs> Look, will I'm you wearing, wearing it after it loss? Will it fit you after all that food? I'm wearing it after taking bread loss. If, if I wasn't in cold London, I'd be wearing it to work, honestly. But look, I think that there's all to play for in that game. I believe we can come out of that game with a draw, even though Egypt also really needs that win. For our group, it's going to come down to the final leg of games. There might be a few calculations that we have to do before we qualify. Ah, Ghana and calculations and that calculator yeah. go hand five and six, hand in hand, Daniel. We do very well in elective months. We do very well in elective It's not just the top two teams from all the six groups that qualify. The best performing third placed teams also qualify. Mimi, how does that work? Yeah, so as you said, the two top, the, the top two teams go through, and the best 
um, four third place teams um, stand a chance of going through. And, and I'm sure when it gets to the crunch of things, Peter, they as well will be looking at the number of goals. Um, mm. So that's why I think teams will be trying to, to score as many goals as they possibly can. And, and we've been seeing quite a few goals in the group stages. So we, we, we've mm. spoken about, of, of course, Ghana and Egypt, which is a, definitely a big match to look out for on Thursday. But equally, as we've said, Nigeria, Cote d'Ivoire, that is going to be a very big game for both sides. Now, remember, I think I think you were there as well, Peter, in 2013. I was there in the stadium mm. at Africa, the Africa yeah. Cup of Nations, yeah, mm-hmm. in South Africa, when Nigeria knocked out Cote d'Ivoire in the mm-hmm. quarterfinals, and they had the golden generation of players, the Yaya Toure's, yeah. the DJ Drogba's, who, who were who were on that side, but. Things are very different this time around. Um, you know, the, the Ivory Coast are playing at home. Um, Seko Fofana is a threat going forward as well. You've mm. got players. You've got players in the Ivory Coast squad. Frank Kessie, the players that can create those opportunities. You know, tighten that defense and take their chances when they get them. And that's what Nigeria are going to have to do when when they play Ivory Coast on Thursday. I mean, a good thing I guess for Nigeria is they, there was no Kelechi Henacho in that mm. match because he had arrived just a few hours before the game kicked off. Teramofi as well um, was came as well a few hours before. Don't forget replacing um, you know, Nigeria had quite a few injuries. Sadiq Umar, indeed, yes, indeed, um, yes. Victor Boniface. So um, we will see if any of those players w- will participate. But it would be good to see as well Kalechi because he's a player that's that can be creative. It can be the difference in creating those chances or scoring those goals. Listen, guys, you know I can talk football with you guys all day long, but we're running out of time. So we're just going to end here with a quick reminder. You can download this podcast. Just go to wherever it is that you get your podcast from and type in the Africa Football Showdown. You can also follow us on YouTube. Yes, we do have a YouTube channel. It's the Africa Football Showdown. A massive, massive thank you to all our radio partners across the continent and here in London. Um, We'll be back again with you on Friday with some very happy Nigerians or sad Ghanaians. Goodbye. (laughs) See you guys. Bye.